did you send that from your work email? Yeah, I did. It has a really funny disclaimer at the bottom. Oh, it does? Yeah, it says, disclaimer, the information contained in this communication from the sender is confidential, is intended solely for use by the recipient and others authorized to receive it. If you're not the recipient, you're hereby notified any disclosure, copying, distribution, or taking action in relation of the contents of this information is strictly prohibited and may be unlawful. So, apparently you're working for the CIA now. No, no, that's just generic. <laughs> Come on. That's just... Come on. The Chromebook that we were using before, it's like been broken for the last two weeks it has a crack and so i've been using the work there's a crack in everything michael i know i know well uh there's a crack in our podcast making process because i'm using my work computer to do the network shit yeah Mm -hmm. yeah. so don't tell i don't know i don't know it doesn't matter whatever don't tell your boss who i'm in intimate communication with every day i don't do anything else personal on this computer so right only this most personal and intimate of all things in your life yeah what are they gonna say stop doing jew stuff on your computer you know stop doing jew stuff you dirty little jew you know i I mean that'd be funny i'd love that (laughs) say it boss i could use a settlement yeah it'd be fucking great mama Uh... wants a new kitchen makeover (laughs) right mama needs a bidet there was like a funny tweet where someone was like i don't want to go to war with russia just so 40 people can get kitchen renovations in the virginia dc area <sighs> too true and that was pretty funny michael michael yes baby michael a michael michael motorcycle <laughs> i never thought of such a thing but that's a uh, going Right in the bank, right in the vault. What is that from? What is that? Some nursery rhyme, some shit. Doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. Here's what that makes me think of: is when I was on the. Maybe other people had this experience. I hasn't met anyone who had it yet. But when I was a kid, we had a game, a quote game. Like when I was in like elementary school, and middle school, called Apple Core, where you were like eating your apple from recess, and when the kid with Apple Core would say Apple Core. And then everyone else would say, Baltimore. And then the Apple Corps kid would say, who's your friend? And the crowd would yell the name of, you know, the witch, whoever the witch was in class. And they would throw the Apple Corps at that person as hard as they could. Yeah, so it was like, Apple Corps, Baltimore, who's your friend? Michael. And then the person with the Apple Corps would throw the Apple Corps at you. It was a, like a big constant every recess multiple times. Oh, okay. Was it like always the loser kid who got the apple thrown at them? Or was it like a Yeah, I mean, it was me, thing? so. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was the gay. It was the gay. Okay. Wow. Um. Yeah. So I guess gathering that you did not have that game. No, 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 no. If you experienced Apple Core Baltimore... You may be entitled to compensation. No, I'll, I'll tell you what I did at recess in like elementary school. Everyone else was like playing on the jungle gyms and shit. I didn't like it. I just wanted to be left alone. So I walked around the field by myself, mm-hmm. occasionally looking at my pocket watch. <laughs> you fucking little poof. I loved my little pocket watch. It was so cool. <laughs> it had a little doggy. Oh my God. And you, you click the button. Ass. Whatever, you know, it was a cute pocket watch. <laughs> I lo- I say that with all the love in my heart. Oh, okay, well, uh, thank you, yeah. So, Michael, Michael. Yes. Dykel, motorcycle. Uh-huh. Um, how are you? Fine, you know, I went down to Northampton, got some pastries at a pastry shop there. Oh, <laughs> I know. That's very New England of you. Are you preparing for the snow? Snowstorm? Oh, yes. By the time this comes out, the snow will have happened, but... It hasn't yet. We're prepared. We got wood. 
We got food. We might go get some more food. Yeah, I'm going grocery shopping tomorrow morning. That's smart. Yeah, I think I think we're prepared. It's not the first time that it's going to snow here. We've had snow before. Oh, okay. Lucky bitches. I know. It's been nice. It's, it's like already to the point where there's snow and then there's the frozen layer of snow with like the powder right. underneath. See, it's going to be the first big snow here and a new Pokemon game comes out tonight at midnight. So I love snowstorms. I kind of miss the days when I would was living with Sam and during a snowstorm, we would just do drugs and yell at each other about Aww. society, you know, and history and stuff. That's cute. But you're not a bachelor anymore. I know. No, I know. Now I have to just do drugs with my girlfriend. Ugh. Lame. Like a loser. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. I feel prepared. I feel prepped. I feel fine. Grunge Girl's making some ziti with a uh, fried eggplant. That's cute. That's very domestic. How are you, Hava? Baruch Hashem. I'm well. I broke through my teacher's block that oh. I mentioned on the patron episode. I was very blocked planning a class. I had a very enriching call with a mentor, and she helped me see things in a whole new way. So that was very refreshing. You know, planning Shalmaala's next class, Miraculous Minutia. I'll put a link in the description for all you Talmud sluts, all you halakhadis. Yeah, that's going really well. I'm really excited for that in February. As I said, Pokemon game coming out at midnight tonight. My boyf is having like a sort of rash of existential anxiety recently. Like a lot of anxiety about, you know, there being a future and oh. everything falling apart. Sometimes there are certain levels of anxiety that your loved ones have that you can't do anything about. And I really struggle in that situation. I really have a hard time figuring out what response to have. I guess because like accepting my own existential anxiety has been such a weird and mysterious process even to myself. But it's not like I can just say like, oh, just blah, 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 blah. just do this. Well, you do like sad boys, so, you know. He's not usually a sad boy. It's a novel, novel time. What flavor of, like, existential crisis? Are we talking global warming, political Honestly, I, th I mean, I think it's mostly just brought on, like, other things frustrate him, and then it becomes about the world ending, you know? It's like, oh, he wakes up too early, and he doesn't have a cup of coffee and he's like covid's coming it's like you just need your coffee babe you just need a snack <laughs> you just need a nap you know yeah well yeah i mean skeeter needs to get out by 11 or else he's gonna be upset so if you treat him the way i treat skeeter then i think yeah. it'll work out i'm just trying to take take good care of him you know, trying to make him feel better. I guess it's just hard also because I am such a internalizer of feelings that when other people freely externalize their feelings, I'm like, what? excuse me, you're just saying stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Grunge girls like that, too. She j I'm just sitting there trying to figure out how the fuck to pay our bill or something. Mm -hmm. And then she comes over to me with all of her feelings, like blast. She's, I got a feeling <laughs> blast in my face. I'm like, you got to yeah. prepare me for that. You can't. Yeah. I was in the middle of a like a long division. And yet at the same time, I think the fact that we both internalize our feelings and existential crises in similar ways was a, a nail in the coffin of our dating. 
you and I. Right, right. So ultimately, we needed to be blasted with feelings, but that doesn't mean it's comfortable. No, no, it's not comfortable. We need to be blasted with feelings, but neither of us was going to do the blast initiation. No, hell no. No, no, no. Well, we're both relatively good, it seems. So that's nice. Yeah, we're fine. I just can't. I always get into a tizzy talking about video games on the podcast, but... I just get so obsessed with whatever game is on my horizon. You know, I have very like single minded interest in things. That's the whole reason we're able to have this podcast, right? Is because my relationship to Talmud is so all consuming. But I also have sort of like ancillary things that take that place, like whatever video game is in my life at the time. I guess so. I don't really know. I haven't thought too much about that. I think about it every day. I mean, I don't think the video game stuff carries the pod. No, I don't think it carries the pod. I get carried away with it on the pod. Yeah, you do. You do. You do. That's fine. (laughs) Oh, you bitch. (laughs) I didn't say anything. I was agreeing with you. I know. That's the problem. You're supposed to disagree and say it's great. You're supposed to say my whole life is thunder. Everything I've ever said on this pod has been perfect. Um, People love it, okay? What did you bring today, Hava? Oh, my God. Okay, well, you know, it's more what our listener brought, but I did my best. So today we are answering some listener mail from listener Depressed in Dallas. Depressed in Dallas writes, Hello, my favorite podcast. Longtime listener, first-time caller slash messenger. What does the Torah have to say about mental illness and mental health? What words of wisdom do our sages have about those in our communities living with these kinds of experiences? Is the Talmud affirming? Does it offer helpful insights? So that's the ground of our of our conversation mm-hmm. today. Um, I'm curious, Michael... As someone who grew up in what I would call the archetypical American reform childhood, what was the vibe? The vibe of the mental health? Well, I mean, as an immigrant fucking household, so. Right. So it was. No, like, there's no such thing. That bullshit is fake. Yeah. Well, and I wouldn't say it was that. It's not like that bullshit is fake. It's like that shit isn't even on the radar as, like, a thing that exists. Like, you're not even at the level of saying, pointing at it. You know, right. It's it's not in like the makeup of your model of the universe inside your head. Well, the good news is it was in the rabbi's model. Really? Of their universe. It yeah. was. Okay. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, mean, I, think, I definitely think it's worth mentioning at the outset of this episode that the idea of mental health and mental illness as sort of like distinct categories of phenomena are modern conceptions. Yeah, it's a it's a modern thing and that's okay. People understood like the connectedness of body and mind in many different ways throughout Jewish history. So, it's hard to say, you know, the rabbis don't have the word mental health as far as I've discovered. I think that's a pretty recent invention, but they have some stuff that I think can apply. I'm willing to bet that like the most analogous things in Talmud are going to be like yeah, I mean, you have demons. <laughs> you have demons running on your face <laughs> at full, night. Full, full F of demons. It's not affirming or not affirming. They're like, no, there's phenomenon that happen, and it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with demons <laughs> on your face. It's not you. It's your demons. Yeah. Um. Well, you would be wrong. Oh, okay. So let's start out by going to uh, one of the most popular sources on this topic. Yoma 75A, where we read... There's a verse in Proverbs. 
And it goes like this. And this is how the Talmud starts. If there is stress, like tightness, bounded upness, suffering in the heart of a man, then let him quash it. Yashchena, let him squish it. Hmm. So Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi both have opinions on this. Rabbi Ami says he should forcefully push it out of his mind. He should just banish the suffering from his mind. Okay. And Rabbi Asi says he should tell others his concerns. Yashichena. So these are both puns on this verb for quash. One of them is saying quash, meaning to push. And one of them is saying like to tell and to share your worries and your troubles with your friends. So we have sort of a biblical reference potentially to some kind of mental illness or at least mental distress of having suffering literally in the heart and two sort of different schools of thought. One of them is to push away the suffering and one of them is to to share it with others. Yeah, those are reactions that people still have. You got the classic (laughs) repression. Timeless, timeless. You have the good old classic (laughs) repression. Right. And then you have the good old classic talk about your feelings. Right. With the folks. I agree. And also, so when I first read this, it's much easier to agree with the one that says you should tell your suffering to your friends. That's the Talmud's advice. And the other one says to push it out of your mind, which is generally not the paradigm we adopt towards mental health today. However, I do have to say, I think that there is value in distraction, at least for me as an anxious type person, sometimes being fully present with my anxious thoughts, like giving them attention is actually like the most counterproductive thing I can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I know exactly what you mean. And you've mentioned that on the pod before. There's also the idea of like the ability to not take your thoughts and emotions too seriously, take mm-hmm. a longer view. And it's always hard to know where the line is between just dealing with it, quote unquote, in that way and actually right. you know, seeking help. Right. It's tough to know where the line is. Yeah, I mean, I think there are certain situations where pushing the suffering away can be a generative part of the healing process and certain times when it's not. And in the same sense, like there are some things where talking about it with other people is the most productive. And then there are other times where I talk about my shit with people and we just like make each other more miserable especially i feel like an interpersonal conflict it can really get into that line between like talking shit and processing yes yes oftentimes the talking shit vibe actually just like entrenches the bitterness in the heart oh yeah we had we struggled with that in our prior housing situation the demon yeah, when we lived... I'm not, <laughs> see, I'm not even going to say that word because that would be doing exactly what you're talking about. Right, right, right. But normally you would. You're just being nice for the cameras. Yeah, right. I mean, that's true. But yeah, it is interesting, though. There's no blame here. There's no assessment about the person's goodness or badness. Right. And at least opens the possibility that the rabbis were aware of the sort of natural, quote-unquote, mental health afflictions they were sort of neutral events that did not require judgment just maybe required methods of dealing with them Mm -hmm. right this sort of connects to a talmudic ethos that has come up a couple times on the show which comes from this quote on brachot 5b a prisoner cannot free himself from jail it's come up in a couple different episodes this little quote and it's one of the other things i wanted to bring in is that 
there are a couple situations in Talmud in the context where this quote comes up. It is basically there are two different people who are afflicted and they have to basically take turns healing each other. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's cute. It's a great story. And I think that the Talmud on some level like holds and is aware of the importance of community in healing. It's a stretch to say they fully align with whatever our modern sensibilities are around community and healing, but I definitely think they conceive of many different types of healing as being a collaborative process. Yeah, in comparison to now, like the model of a virtuous, I mean, no one in, you know, no one in modern society talks about virtues, but at least the rabbis, like a lot of their virtues seem to only be fully actualized in a person in the context of a community. So it's not Mm -hmm. surprising that the practices they prescribe for healing mental health issues or things like mental health issues could involve other people or could involve performing your role in society, performing Mm -hmm. your duties to people. Right. And I will say, I chose to bring the positive sources today. When I started researching this episode, there's a lot of stuff I could have brought about how the rabbis conceived of mental competency, the whole thing about demons that you mentioned. Uh There are definitely like stickier, ickier ideas about mental health in the Talmud. And... That is important to know that the Talmud is not just full of great stuff, but I think we all get enough of the sticky, icky stuff and we can all imagine it easy enough Oh yeah, that it felt more valuable to me to bring the sort of uplifting, affirming moments about mental health in Talmud. I wanted to bring also a couple other sources later than Talmud. So I have a reading here from the Kli Yakar, which is a commentary to the Torah that it mostly focuses on the sort of allegorical side of things, the homiletic, if you will. Uh, it's written by this guy, Shlomo Ephraim, who lived between 1550 and 1619. So later source, post-medieval, but still old enough that we feel like we have to listen to it. In this reading, the Kli Yakar is commenting on this Torah verse, Look out for yourself and guard your life exceedingly. The Kli Yakar says, Guard yourself means look after your physical body. It does not add exceedingly, as it does after the second part of the verse, which refers to guarding one's soul because one must be even more careful to protect one's soul than one's body. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And here I read protection of the soul as having some alignment with mental health. So you're saying that people with mental health issues have a corrupted soul? Is that what you're <laughs> claiming right Certainly now? I do. Okay, great. But I think there's something here that the Kliakar is tapping into that I don't know. Ultimately, we can't totally protect either our bodies or minds or souls. But for me personally, as a person with longstanding mental health issues, there is a a high degree of vigilance required in maintaining sort of baseline mental health. Oh, yeah. And I think the Kliakar is tapping into that, that vibe. Yeah, I've become a lot more aware of it. You have to be a lot more conscious of what you're willing to take in and deal Mm -hmm. with. Yeah. I think that is also a great connection to um, my final reading that I brought today, which is by Harav Asher Weiss in response to Minchat Asher 128. So this is a contemporary source. And our boy, Asher Weiss, says, 
In general, one must try with all one's might to be joyful always. For it is human nature to be drawn to bitterness and sadness because of the wounds one has suffered, and every person is full of troubles. So one must force oneself with great effort to be happy always. Now, it is also true that a broken heart is very good but only at certain times. So it is wise to set an hour each day to break one's heart and talk to God, as we do. But the rest of the day one must be in joy. Struggle with your sadness, Rabbi Nachman says. Struggle with your soul. The point is not to rid oneself of struggle, but to accept it as a condition of being human. We are not meant to prevail. We must make room in the soul for an existential condition of lack. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Cha. Yep. Cha. Totally, dude. Yeah. We totally have to make room in the soul for an existential condition of life. Yeah, I mean, life is tragic. We are all tragic Uh, heroes. I mean, a lot spoke to me about that reading, but I feel like it ties into a theme that is present for me throughout these passages and throughout all kinds of different suffering that the Talmud brings and that rabbinic literature brings, which is that, like, at least for this life in this world, existence is suffering. I think rabbinic Judaism kind of shares that tenet with Buddhism in its own way, that, like, a condition of of bodily embodiment in a human world is that there's going to be suffering. Yes. And it also allows for the possibility that the appropriate response to that is to like find a way to be with it. Yeah, I, I do think, yeah, that like the Buddhists and the, the Jews, and I don't really know anything about anything else, they are very upfront. There's a lot of candor about suffering <laughs> and the inevitability of it. You're a tragic hero. Every listener out there right now <laughs> is a tragedy in play, oh. a beautiful tragedy. And a comedy. And a comedy. It's interesting what he says, but you got to force yourself to be happy. Yeah, there's this idea, especially prevalent in early Hasidic writing, that there's sort of a path of joy is one of the ways we can connect with Hashem. And I forget who says it. It might even have been the Baal Shem Tover. It might have been Rabbi Nachman who says that the path of joy sounds like it would be the easiest path, but it's actually the hardest path to like sincerely cultivate joy at all times. Oh, yeah. Is like, in fact, the hardest one can do. And I've tried to embrace what Harav Asher Weiss is talking about here that I don't know, like I spend a lot of time trying to stop myself from being drawn to bitterness and sadness. Uh, I have plenty of wounds, past and present, future, I'm sure, waiting to happen. And for me, like, I think this is goes back to what I was talking about, about my partner's existential agony that he's in sometimes right now. I have to dedicate a lot of energy to like not going into that space yeah, and to like choosing joy. And I've gotten better and better at it over the years. And I really love that process. That's great. That's great. It, that sounds hard. I I think I, 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 I'll stick to the hour of having a broken heart 24 <laughs> hours a day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's just a a survey of stuff I wanted to bring for our dear listener. In summary, you know, the Talmud definitely acknowledges the phenomenon of of emotional and mental suffering. It talks about a couple different ways to deal with and heal from it. And it also has a bunch of icky stuff that I chose not to bring today because it is multi-vocal and embodies a wide variety of opinions, many of which contradict each other. But none of them think that life is a joyride. <laughs> no, none of them deny 
the, as Harav Asher says, the existential quality of lack. Oh, the existential quality of lack. More like the existential quality of slack. Am I right? Like the app. Like the app. Because everyone's on it all the time. Yeah, it is kind of omnipresent. Whatever. Well, that was very nice. This was a nice little peaceful episode. Yeah. Dear Depressed in Dallas, I hope this was nourishing to your soul as it was to mine. And I hope that if you're in the hour of your broken heart now, that hopefully you're able to find an hour of joy soon. Yeah, find an hour of joy. Yeah. Get a go out go out there and get go to one of those self serve soft serve places and get like the <laughs> tart yogurt and get some mochi. I've never heard of such a thing. You never heard of the places where you go Oh, you mean you don't mean totally self serve like a frozen yogurt ATM. You mean like there are you go in a place and there's machines like a soda fountain but frozen yogurt yeah okay i thought you were talking about like on the side of a building like a frozen yogurt machine no 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 that would be something else yeah that would be a whole other level treat yourself listener listeners thank you for joining us today i hope our nonsense has been entertaining and somewhat nourishing mm-hmm. um check out the link in the description for the upcoming shoma ala class miraculous minutia coming up in february it's gonna be dope join the patreon if you haven't already you could be having twice the talmud you're having now at least twice at least twice the talmud you're having now so that's something to think about we will talk to you guys soon Shavuot. Shavuot.